Missionary Enterprises, Missionary Aid International, in association with Holy Faith Gospel Ministries, once again, uh, they're in Owendo, Migori, Kenya, Africa, and this is basically part two. This is part two. Part two of the origin, source, foundation for all supernatural, miraculous, creative power. Part two. So, I wrote here, most of what the Lord does is supernatural, which is why we need to learn more on how to walk and live in or according to the supernatural. The supernatural power of God is all about causing the impossible to become possible, causing impossibilities in becoming possibilities. The walk of faith is essential in all of this. If you don't learn to walk by faith, according to the Word of God and what the Word has to say about walking by faith, not what some preacher says, uh, unless they're right, but we got to go to the source, you will never experience the supernatural power of God in your life or for those around you. Um, faith puts God to work, and when God works, He works supernaturally in the invisible as well as the visible realm. He works in both realms, but ultimately it affects the visible realm. So we got some key New Testament power words here before we move on with the some uh, verses and some notes, some good notes is first of all, we have Strong's number 1096, one of my favorite words in the New Testament, Gnome. Um, so I'm going to skip a lot of this stuff. I'm just going to go through them. Then we have Strong's number 4160. That's a big one too. Um, and then we have Strong's number 4592. And the last one here, just for this study here, there's more, of course, is Strong's number 50. 59, 5059. So these are all key words regarding the power of God. And uh, you'll never experience these key words unless you learn how to walk by faith. So key references and notes. Let's start with Romans 4.17. I wrote here, well, Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, talking about Abraham, God, God, what? What about this God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist? That's powerful. So um, the, la the first teaching, which was the last teaching regarding this topic, uh, my foundational verse was Genesis 1, 3 to 4. And now we're adding Romans 4, 17 to that. Uh, writing here, they are foundational verses regarding the title of this teaching. We are surrounded by death, right? Gives life to the dead, right? Brings life into a situation that has death in it. So we are surrounded by death because of the fall of man, yet God wants to bring his life or wants to bring life, the God kind of life in that situation, all right? So there's all kinds of examples we can use, uh, whether a person is needs to get born again, uh, uh, going from darkness to light, going from death to life, uh, spiritual, spiritually speaking, uh, whether it's uh, going from disease to healing or health, going from poverty to provision. There's all kinds of examples in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, light, going from death to life. 
I wrote here, there's no life in disease. There's no life in sickness, poverty, corruption. There's just no life. That's all death and darkness. All right. Uh, We need to stop coming in agreement with our circumstances and death. Anything that has to do with death. How? By coming in agreement with God's word and which is life. All right, and that's what Romans 4, 17b is all about, calling those things that be not as though they were. King James, stop coming in agreement with what you have and start coming in agreement with what God's Word says, what He's promised you, and work at believing it, sowing the Word, and God will perform it for you. Uh, Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed man, mankind, man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life, and man became a living being. If you don't call that supernatural, I don't know what is, but it is. It is what it is. Hebrews 11.29, urged on by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as though on dry land. Supernatural. God dried the land. He dried it for them. He parted it, and he dried so that they go through there. And it says here, but when the Egyptians tried to do the same thing, they were swallowed up by the sea. Uh, Foolish, if you ask me. And I wrote here, the Egyptians brought this upon themselves through the law of sowing and reaping. I mean, they were out to kill them. So God is out, actually really murdered them. uh, Because they had had no right to to kill God's people. They had no right. And uh, there's no justification to do that. So like I said before many times, um, God does kill people. He did, especially in the Old Testament, but it's all justified. It's all for the right reasons, and he don't like to do that. He don't like it. God's not a killer. He's not a murderer. He's not a thief. He wants to bring life. So let's move on to John 2, 3 to 9. We'll read through the whole thing, all of it, all verses. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purifications of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim, And he said to them, draw some out now, meaning water, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took the water to the master of the feast. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that that was made wine and did not know where it came from. All right. So I wrote here, the moment, the very moment he went to taste the water, it turned into wine and not before. It was water the whole time. He took it and it still was water. I believe it was still water. And he went to taste it. And that's when it turned into the wine. And I believe everything else in the water pots turned into wine. So there are no longer water pots. There are wine pots. (laughs) So Jesus is not the one. I wrote here, Jesus is not the one who did this miracle. As every other miracle, I've taught on this before. But the miracle work himself, the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 10, 38, and many other verses as well. Mark 4, 35 to 41. On the same day uh, that he had taught on parables of the sower, he had just finished teaching on the parables of the sower, when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, 
they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm, a proportion, hurricane proportion, uh, arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up. And he was in the stern, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So this was serious because they're seasoned fishermen, right? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So I wrote here, Jesus got exactly what it said. Mark 11.23. Mark 11.3 is all about the supernatural. Uh, you will have what you say. God's going to perform what you say as long as you're saying what God told you to say and you believe. You don't no longer doubt, but believe. All right? You got to get rid of the doubt. All right? So it's all done. This is all about the supernatural. And I wrote here, but verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, God expected, Jesus expected them to do what he did. Because he just taught on the parables of the sower. Verse 41, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? But they expect, he expected them to do the same thing too. He expected them. That's right. So Jesus did not doubt at all in his heart, but he believed what he said it would be done. But he believed what he said it would be done for him. And it was done for him because he said it according to the Spirit. By, by uh, according to his father by the spirit and he believed it he was fully persuaded that he was going to have what he said uh, mark 11 14 20 to 21 in response regarding the fig tree jesus said to the fig tree let no one eat fruit from you ever again and his disciples heard it Um, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So this is where he, Jesus went right into um, have the faith of God, and which is goes right into Mark eleven twenty three, which I already mentioned. So Jesus operated by faith. He walked by faith. Uh, this kind of faith, the God kind of faith, uh, calling those things that be not as though they were. And he expects us to do so too, because according to verse 22, it says, have this kind of faith. Mark, uh, Matthew 14, 14 to 21. Uh, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Supernaturally, he healed them. The Holy Spirit healed them. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, what do they say? This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But, but Jesus said to them, uh, do not, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. So I wrote here, in other words, they are basically saying, we can feed a few people with the little we have. Uh, but not everyone. Uh, but Jesus had a different approach and mindset because Jesus walked by faith and not by sight. And he walked in the sonship. So verse 18, he said, bring them here to me, uh, the, the bread, the loaves and the fish. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the, the five loaves 
and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Verse 20, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained on top of what they gave out to the crowd. And now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And this is what, what? Five loaves and two fish. All right. So the supernatural. And this belongs to us today. Whether it's loaves, uh, bread or fish or whatever, you just got to be in tune. You got you to gotta renew your mind to what the word says about these things. And then the Holy Spirit will apply these, these realities, these great realities to your circumstance. You can't make this stuff up. You just can't go out and try to make things happen. No, no, no. You got to be led by the Spirit. Jesus fed the crowd supernaturally by multiplying what the disciples already had in their possession. And I also wrote here, Jesus operated out of his sonship at all times. John 5, 17, 19 to 20 and verse 30. I only do what I see my father doing. Oh yeah. Every time you see Jesus doing something supernatural is because he saw something beforehand by the Father, which ties in with Ephesians 2.10, those works, those good works that he's planned beforehand. Well, we're supposed to walk in those good works that he planned beforehand, and Jesus is the first to walk in those good works that God had planned beforehand. Same thing. He's the second Adam. He's the firstborn. Then there's the secondborn, thirdborn, and many brethren, right? So he expects us to walk in the same thing. Because we have the same nature. Matthew 11, 2, 4, and 5. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, John sent two of his disciples. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell Johnny boy, Johnny the baptizer, I call him, the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised from the dead. Right? So I wrote here, the works of Christ are supernatural works of the Spirit and the works of the body of Christ, because we're the body of Christ. Uh, we are to walk in these supernatural works of the Spirit as well, right? That's what this is all part of mind renewal, uh, new creation realities. And a lot of the stuff is also in the, new, the Old Testament too, because God did a lot of supernatural things in the Old Testament. Jesus operated supernaturally in the natural, in the supernatural, and so must we as his body. The church is the body of Christ. I wrote also here, God is very well able to multiply the very food that you already have to feed the poor, etc., 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 instead of depending upon donations, offerings, begging for help, um, raising money, all these different things like that. But he needs your faith. He needs your faith. Fundraising. Oh, my goodness. I got a real problem with fundraising. Uh, but anyhow, God tells you to do it, then you do it. But it's not his best. We need to stop relying upon God's people and start relying upon God himself for many things. I'm not talking about, listen, we need to work together as a body. We got to learn how to rely on one another. We have to, be, we have to become reliable. All right, because we're supposed to walk together. But many times, you got to get your eyes off of people. You got to get your eyes and your mouth on the Lord when it comes to the supernatural. Yeah, you really have to. I'm learning that the hard way. And I wrote here, believers need to stop hardening their hearts also. That's what I'm saying concerning stop relying on people. Start bugging, stop bugging people for money. 
when you want to feed the poor, when you're around Christmas time, whatever. Stop bugging people and get into the word. And I said here, believers need to stop hardening their hearts toward the truth regarding all of this. A lot of people don't like this. They don't like this. And because they don't like this, they don't like me. And that's fine. I can handle it. But they still need to hear the truth because the truth will make them free. But they also need to stop the devil from stealing the word when they hear the truth. When they hear the truth like this, the, the devil comes to steal the truth. He comes to steal the word, Mark 4.15 and Luke 8.12. So, anyhow, I kind of scooted through this and uh, for different reasons. And we're going to get this video done today. And so as I finish all my videos, this is part two. And uh, so as I finish all my videos of this teaching, uh, walk in the fullness of the grace of God. Shalom and Amen.